Welcome to the 401k Audit CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping companies across the United States prepare for their 401k audit. If you have 100 eligible participants in your 401k plan, then this podcast is for you. Hello there, this is Kim Moore with Anders, Minkler, Huber, and Helm. Um, if you've been listening to some of our previous podcasts, you know that um, Anders and Summit moved back at the beginning of April, and it is now end of August, so we're, we're well into our transition and working with Anders. Um, I'm joined by Karen Hill again today. She's um, our audit manager, and uh, this is our 401k audit CPA success show uh, podcast that we do once a month. Um, today's topic, I thought uh, it's, as I mentioned, end of August as we're recording this. <clears throat> so we are getting pretty close now to the October 15th deadline. If you are a plan sponsor or you work with the plan and they are a calendar year plan, uh, their original due date for filing, if they needed an audit, was the end of July. Um, they can get an extension, um, which is pretty easy to do. Most um, providers will will do the extension for their clients, um, but that extension will take you to October 15th. So we have uh, not quite a month and a half, a little bit over that till the deadline. Um, <clears throat> it's a busy, busy time for those of us in the audit world. They work on EBP audits. Um, Karen and I have been putting in a lot of uh, overtime, extra time, trying to um, crank out as many of these audits um, as we can. So we thought timely topic would be if you are a plan sponsor uh, or you work with a plan and you know that plan needs an audit, um, the audit isn't completed yet, is there anything that you can do as the plan sponsor uh, to help the auditors to make the audit move as quickly as possible, make it as smooth as possible, um, and obviously help to get it done by the deadline. Because we've talked in, in earlier podcasts, if you don't get it done by the deadline, there are potential fines and penalties, and they can be pretty uh, pretty high penalties depending on the situation. So definitely something you want to avoid if at all possible. So um, we're going to talk about a couple of different ideas that we've got uh, that you can do to, to help. Um, first one I thought of was just being responsive. Um, to the auditor, Karen, any thoughts on that? I'm sure you, you've probably got a lot of ideas on that topic. Uh, lots. Uh, I mean, I recently started an audit. I usually don't do them, but this year I'm doing quite a few of them. And I had the opening meeting at the end of July, and I figured because we were starting so late that this would be one that went into September. But the my contact person was so responsive to any any time I said, you know, I, I just uh, would work through the things, send a list of this is what I'm missing. She would upload things usually the same day, sometimes within an hour or two. She was so responsive. I finished the audit in a couple of weeks and it made it makes all the difference. If you are responsive, if you get things, if you get things to your auditor quickly um, so they can work through them. It helps in a couple of different ways. One, um, we don't then, there's less of a chance that we're putting it down. We're continuing to work on it because you're being responsive. And two, if we have to wait a little while before we get that information, once we get it, we have to go back in and try to reorient ourselves to where we were in the audit and what was going on with this. Why did I need that? We try to leave ourselves notes, but just, you know, it, there's going to be things that you don't recall. Mm -hmm. So the responsiveness is a huge deal. It really helps us in getting yeah. through everything quickly. And I It's human nature, I think, that you forget. You know, we, we've all got a lot going on, and um, 
just work-wise, I mean, let alone all the things going on outside of work. Um, so to try to remember all the details of whatever it was, why you needed those specific requests, as you mentioned, it's hard. You can leave the best of notes, but you still got to dig back into it again. So the less picking it up, putting it down, picking it up, putting it down that you have to do, the quicker the audit will go. Um, I think um, another aspect of this trying to be timely is that uh, we see situations where I'll, we'll give them our initial sample list. So here are the uh, participants I'm testing distributions on, or here are the participants I'm going to test their contributions into the plan, whatever it might be. And usually, you know, that could be five people, it could be 25 people, could be large or small. Um, and we're asking for usually more than one thing for each person for whatever that transaction was. And quite often we'll see, uh, I've asked for 20 of something, 20 W-2s, 20 I-9s, um, and we either get back the wrong thing, so instead of a W-2, I get a W-4, or I don't get the whole copy of it. Classic example is we ask for I-9s to test the demographic data that we're receiving, make sure that it's a real employee, and mm -hmm. um, we use it for a variety of reasons. We only get one page of what are the two-page critical pieces to the I-9. So we've got part of what we need, but not all of it. Um, bigger thing is that, you know, we asked for 25 people, documentation for say 25 people, and maybe as the, the client is working through those 25 I-9s as an example, I can't find two or three of them, let's just say. So they give you what they have, they don't say anything, they load it on there, the auditor gets looking at it maybe later that day, later that week, or maybe the first part of the next week, and lo and behold, now I'm missing two or three. Um, I think the client feels that, well, I gave you what I had. That's all I can do. So I don't need to do anything. I don't need to say anything. I gave you what I had, and and that's all there is. Uh, and the auditor will just have to mark, oh, they, they can find those, and, and they'll move on to the next step. Mm -hmm. But that's not what happens in an audit because – we're pulling samples for almost everything. The sample is supposed to represent the whole. Mm. So if I pulled 25, more than likely the, the whole, what we call the population, is more like 250 or 300 or 400. And so those two or three that are missing are not really two or three. They could be 50. They could be 100. You know, we don't know because we don't know exactly how representative that is. Um, obviously, then it causes doubt on even if we tested the other 20 plus and they were all fine, it still could mean a good percentage of the population has an issue. We don't know because we didn't see those documents. Um, that's the theory. It's a statistical process and that's kind of the theory behind it. So one of the things I always try to you know, tell our clients is if you don't have something, tell me and tell me upfront. Um, or leave me a note. When you're leaving me those 23 that you could find and you can't find the other two, leave me a note with those 23 saying, here's what I could find. I couldn't find the I-9. I couldn't find the W-2. I couldn't find the payroll detail for, you know, participant A and B. Um, that way, I know up front I might need to pull some replacement sample items maybe. Get those to you early so you can start digging those out so I have a full set to work with. Um, maybe there's something else I can request in lieu of what you're missing. The I-9 um, perfect example, because we're not doing an audit of I-9s. We ask the, for the I-9s because we're doing testing demographic area, uh, data, and the I-9s have the birth date, the hire date, and they're signed by the participant, which is we're trying to make sure that the system information agrees to what's real, what's true, or you know what the facts are. 
So there might be something else that we can use in lieu of the document that we asked for, you know, a medical form that they had to sign. Um, you know, lots of times for the date of hire, we'll get a W-4. Those aren't always exact because sometimes they're not on the, but, you know, if, if the person had terminated, sometimes those exit interviews have the date of hire on them. So, right. yeah. Right. Ask their, there's other information. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's. There's usually a workaround. I mean, in, in audit, there's usually a lot more than one or two ways of doing anything. There's usually three, four, five, multiple ways. And so you can usually work through missing documentation. We all understand that there's a lot of employee documentation that a company may maintain, and it sometimes it doesn't get filed right. Um, sometimes it truly gets lost. Sometimes you just never did it. Maybe you just never did an I-9 for an employee. We understand that that's a possibility. We still have to do the test step, though. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing you need to remember is that an audit is all about a set of processes and you have to work through each one of those activities to verify each individual uh, process going on with the plan, which ultimately leads to the financial statements. Um, and, you know, we can't just say, oh, they didn't have any I-9, so I'll just skip all this stuff. Uh, you know, I'll just skip it because they didn't have it. We can't do that. Um, so. It's very important up front that if you don't have something, um, you let the auditor know. And also ask questions. <clears throat> so probably you know what an I-9 is, probably you know what a W-2 is, but maybe the auditor is asking you for something and you're not quite sure. Uh, we get questions. We ask for the planned census, um, or we'll ask for year-end payroll report. And we try to give as much information around what does that mean, what does year-end payroll report mean, what types of data are we looking for on the report, we try to give as much of that information as we can when we're making the request, but sometimes it can still be a little bit, I don't want to say confusing, but we get comments from people that I'm going into my payroll system and I have a thousand reports, which, you know, and they're all labeled year end, which one of these thousand do you want? Um, that's a very common question and a very legitimate question. <clears throat> so if you ask up front that very question, we can real quick jump on a call do it in a regular scheduled meeting and say, well, let's take a look at one of them. You know, get me one that you think is closest to what I've asked for and let me take a look at it. And then I can tell you, yeah, that'll work or mm, no, not quite right. I still need, well, no, whatever it might be. And then we can try another report. That way you're not giving us a report. A week later I'm looking at it. Oh, nope, that's not the right one. You take a week to go try another one. Oh, nope, that's not. I mean, you could spend a month just trying to get one report where if you'd sit down and just online talk it through, you could get that solved. I've got the information and I can move on. So, you know, a lot of times I think people feel like I'm just going to give you what I got and that's it. Well, you can do that, but it's going to cause a lot of delays um, on the audit. So, um, you know, that's, that's a big part of um, what can cause an audit to be delayed. Um, the other thing I like to point out, I mentioned audit is a process. It's a process that we've got to work through from beginning to end. And we can't just because it's September 30th say, well, I'm in step six out of 10 um, of my audit process and I'm working through. I know I'm down to the deadline. I'm just going to skip step seven through nine and I'll just write the report and move on. Uh, we're not allowed to do that. that. That would be a violation of our standards. We could get in a lot of trouble for doing that. Um, it would obviously be a problem internally um, for our company, but it also from an audit standards perspective, Karen and I are both CPAs, mm -hmm. that would cause us um, to potentially lose our license. So just up front, I'm just telling you we're not going to do that. <laughs> that is not an option. Um, certainly we want to do things as efficiently as possible and 
we don't want to drag things out, but we do need to do those steps. So uh, it doesn't matter if it's February or it's the end of September and the deadline's October 15th. Those steps still got to get done. Um, they've got to be done completely. Uh, we've got to feel comfortable. We've covered everything. And if that means the audit's going to be late, then that's what's going to happen. So it's on you as the plan sponsor to do everything you can to not get into that position where it's now down to the wire the auditor doesn't have everything they need or you got to remember we're not doing one audit or you know here just on my team we're doing 150 audits in a very short period of time so we got to keep moving and if you delay getting us the information there's a problem it can't get resolved more than likely your audit's going to be late just because we've got others to work on so um it, it's just the way it is i mean there, there's there's no solution for that it's just the reality of the situation so Definitely don't delay. Um, it's a big, big part of um, what goes on. Um, another thing I, I had on my list was organization. Mm -hmm. um, Karen, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. What's, what's the difference between me giving you a list that's uh, in an orderly setup versus I just throw a bunch of stuff at you? <laughs> well, I can work through it easier. If I have, if like all of the I-9s are in one place, all the W-2s are in one place, then I can easily work through them rather than trying to figure out where everything is. I once had, for an audit, had a client who, they still had paper forms. So he he uploaded everything where for each selection he had included in the same little packet, the W-2, um, the enrollment form, any of the change forms, everything was all together for each individual person. I got through that audit so fast because... It just that's just a, a lot of it is just trying to find the information so you can look at it and and check it and do your and do your testing and it's yeah just, it's yeah it's it makes an organization makes a huge <laughs> makes a huge difference um and you got to remember there's thousands of pieces of information for each audit and an auditor could be working on five or ten audits at a time so do the math that's a lot of stuff to work through mm -hmm. so anything you can do to help um keep the items organized one of the keys, especially as you're getting down to the end, is you want to chew through as the auditor all of the component parts as quickly as you can to get down to the problems. Right. So you can focus your time on what additional items am I going to need to resolve these issues that I have? Because without resolving those, there isn't going to be, you can't even get to an opinion. So you can't even figure out what do I need to do next? How do I get this to the finish line? You, you've got to get through all of that initial work. And that organization can help the auditor do that as quickly as possible. So, um, so very, very important um, as much as you can. And, you know, we here on the Summit team, we use a tool called Smartsheet. I'm not advocating for Smartsheet here, but um, one of the reasons we use that is because it's uh, line by line asking the client for specific things, and then they can attach things directly to that request. So I know I asked you for information to do this particular test, this is the information they gave me. I can really quickly look at it and say that's, you know, that's a W-4, not a W-2. I can't use it. So it, it helps us to stay organized as well. You know, I would bring that up with your auditor. What what can I do providing this information to, to help it be as organized as possible if it's not built into their process? So we try to build it into our process, but some folks may not have that. So. Um, Another thing that, that I put on my list was um, if you can, um, as you're putting together your documentation for this year's audit, 
Um, we found a lot of clients keep a folder, and I don't mean a paper folder, but electronic folder somewhere with wherever they keep their, either their audit work or their plan um, saved items. Here's what I give the auditor for this audit, and they keep that. And then next year, more than likely, if it's the same auditor, they're going to ask for the same types of information. So rather than every year I got to go figure out that year-end payroll report mm -hmm. that you asked, well, which one of those thousands is it? <laughs> you know, keep, keep some notes of it's called this in my payroll system. Uh, even it's, it's on the third screen, it's the second one down, not, not to say that they can't change things, but that'll give you a hint. Uh, keep a copy of the report. That way when you go in this year, you can run it, look at last year's and say, yep, that looks like the same thing. Um, that will kind of help speed your process up and you don't have to reinvent the wheel every year. Um, mm -hmm. There, It's not to say that the auditor isn't going to change their processes, not to say that the requirements can't change, um, but you know, it more than likely a lot of this stuff is going to be the same. So if you can kind of keep little cheat sheet notes or keep a file of here are all the documents, the, the types of reports I provided them, um, you know, I think that will be really helpful. Um, and the last thing I had on this is just double check your work. So if the auditor, and again, it goes to how the auditor is requesting items. Um, we, I mentioned we use Smartsheet. Sometimes they'll send you a, a Word document with just a list, you know, a number, number one, number two, number three. Sometimes it's a, an actual portal where they're asking you to load documents on and there may be a list in the portal. Um, I don't know, some may even still be sending paper forms. I don't know. Uh, that would be very old-fashioned, but I'm sure it probably happens. Um, Double-check your list. So if they, you know, check off your list. <clears throat> Make sure that if they've asked you for 20 items, you've addressed all 20 items before you tell them, yep, I gave you everything, and you move on to something else. Um, we have a spreadsheet that we use to gather information about internal controls and internal processes at the company. Um, it's, a, it's an Excel workbook. It has multiple tabs. We always tell everybody at the beginning, now make sure you look at every tab because there's multiple tabs. It's easy to miss one. And inevitably, every time somebody misses one of the tabs. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got to have them go back and, you know, finish finish up the stuff that you missed. Um, anything that you can do to double check. You know, it only takes a couple minutes to just double check each tab and say, did I address everything or is there a big blank spot in there? Um, doesn't take you very long to have a list and just cross it off. And that way you'll make sure that you've addressed everything, you didn't miss anything, um, that the auditor is immediately going to come back and say, well, off of your list of 20, you didn't give me anything for number five or number six. So um, so that helps. Um, another area, Karen, TPA requests or service provider requests, because we don't get everything from the client anymore. You used to be able to do that, but not anymore. No, no. And this varies by the TPA. There's some TPAs where we can make the request ourselves and um, it'll come, we'll get an email and let us know that it's ready. Or sometimes we don't get an email, but we can, so if we have access, we can go and upload it. But sometimes we have to go through you. Sometimes and um, there's one provider that will fill out the form. We send it to you. And you have to sign it and then send it on to the provider for the information that we're requesting. So if, if um, there's something that we have to request from the provider, um, you need to, you, you may need to follow up for us. Uh, you know, don't just assume that if, uh, if we tell you, hey, you know, I need these things from the provider and you send them on off, if you don't hear anything, don't just assume, oh, well, they, they got to it and sent it directly to the auditor. 
make you know ask the auditor did you receive those things follow up with the provider have you sent those yet when do you think you'll be able to get them because there's lots of times there are several audits this year that were almost finished and we were waiting for a few things from the TPA and that held up the audit for another three or four weeks just waiting yeah. for that. It's a problem anymore because so much, um, if you think of how your plan works, um, the vast majority of our clients are using a service provider. And it, it don't don't get hung up on the, you know, we, we like to use the term TPA just because it's real quick abbreviation, but don't get hung up on, well, I don't have a TPA. You use, more than likely, you use a service provider for mm -hmm. um, different aspects of your plan. So whatever whatever setup you have, that's that's really what we're talking about. Um, you know, it's great when you think, oh, I don't have to manually process all the distributions. Um, I'm not going to have to uh, manually do the contributions because I've hooked my payroll system to the provider that I use. So it, their, their systems are talking. So I'm just running my payroll. The payroll sends, system sends information. So I don't have to do anything. So I'm all good. I mean, that's all great. But when it comes to the audit, we still need the information. So just because it's with a provider doesn't, you know, again, we can't say, well, that provider can't get me information about participant loans, as an example. Um, they more than likely are doing almost all the processing on participant loans, other than the deductions you're taking out of their payroll, if you're allowing them to pay through payroll. Other than that, probably all the function is with the provider. Well, if the provider can't get us or won't get us information about the loans, we can't just say, well, they won't give us anything, so I'll just go skip it and move on. Nope. <laughs> I mean, we ultimately, either that will hold up your audit or worst case scenario, we will have to give you some type of lower opinion, like a disclaimer opinion. We might have to disclaim an opinion on your financial statements if the loans are material, quite often they are, and we can't get any information about the loans and you don't have anything, it doesn't mean we just say it's okay. We're going to have to say, I don't, I don't know if it's okay. I can't say. And because that's a material component of financial statements, I have to disclaim the whole financial statements. That's a problem for you. You're going to get probably a fine from the Department of Labor over that. So it's very important ultimately that you're, you understand you're responsible for everything that goes on with the plan. And just because you've hired a third party, yes, you've hired them to do the work, but ultimately you're still responsible. So if you're not getting the information that you need, you know, or your auditor's not getting it, you need to follow up and make sure that, um, you know, you're working with your provider so that they can get you the stuff. Um, you know, get involved. That That's all we can say is they will listen to you more than they're going to listen to us. You know, we don't, we don't have a relationship with them usually, um, so I don't want to say they don't care, but in a lot of ways they don't. But they care about you because you're you're their client and you're paying their 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 salary, so so they do care. Um, another thing I would I would say on this topic that's changed a little bit this year, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, is the Form 5500. Mm -hmm. um, here at Summit, we always got the 5500. We always reviewed it, no change there. But with the new audit standard now, we are not allowed to give you, our client and the plan sponsor, the draft copy of the audit report. That's not even the final copy. But I can't give you the draft for you to review until I've seen what's called a substantially complete 5500. And that pretty much means everything on the 5500, from our perspective, has to be okay. So if I'm seeing things on there that need changed, um, and especially on what we call the Schedule H. So that's where all of the financial information is. That's where the information about the audit 
report is going to be sort of inform compliance questions. So things, were there late deposits? Did you have a, f a fidelity bond? What was the amount of the bond? Um, did you have a blackout period? That's where all of those questions are, is on that Schedule H. Um, this year, every single audit we've had has had to have 5,500 changes. Um, part of that's due to changes we've had, as I mentioned, that uh, merger with Anders. But a lot of it's because they're using the old format from the limited scope audits, which changed. And we did a podcast around the changes with the new audit standard. But that changed what opinion we're going to be giving on most of our audits, which changed the opinion markings on the Schedule H. So even without our structural change, probably every single uh, 5,500 would have had to have a change. That's got to go back to the provider, usually through their compliance group, that takes time. Um, sometimes it can be day or two. Um, we've seen, I don't know, Karen, a couple weeks, mm -hmm. three weeks for those changes. So yep. as we're approaching that October 15th deadline, keep in mind, and I mentioned, we've got a process, got to work through the process. Part of that process now is I got to see a substantially complete 5,500 before I can even get you the draft. Then there are steps that have, got to, that have to occur you know, once I give you the draft for you to get the final to do the filing. So don't don't think, oh, I can, you know, we can we can be doing all this on October 13th, 14th. No, this year that will not happen. You will be filing late if you do that. So um, it's another area. I know you're not doing the 5500, but ultimately having that be delayed um, can really <laughs> can really bog you down. So um, so get with your get with your service providers if if that becomes an issue. Problems. So Karen, I'm, I'm, I'm the auditor, I'm doing the audit, they got me all my stuff, I worked through all my testing, and I can't get deferrals to work out, my census doesn't tie out, I got problems on the loans, now what? Um, <laughs> well, we have to come back to, we have to come back to the client and say, hey, what happened here? You know, I, I try to give as detailed of an explanation of what I'm seeing as possible say, okay, so-and-so had deferrals of 5% for the whole year. I did my recalculation. I came up with this. I saw per payroll that it was only this. What am I missing? Uh, what's going on here? Um, the census tie-outs. I mean, we've had instances where we've had trouble tying out the census and we found out, oh, wait a minute, there's another payroll report that wasn't included that you need. Um, so, yeah, we, we will... Toss those questions back to you because it's going to be a lot, you're going to understand a lot better what happened than we are because you were the ones that actually processed all of these things. So if you're, be responsive, look into them, try to get that information back to us as soon as you can. Um, that's, that's very helpful. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, it, it Certainly, it, it leads to being able to complete the audit, but it also can, um, as Karen mentioned, that situation where we found, oh, there's a whole other payroll report. Then we've got to go back and look, is the work that we already did sufficient? Correct. Um, I mean, maybe that means we missed a company. We didn't know there was this third company out there, um, and we didn't pull samples from any of the people in that company, which... Maybe a problem, maybe not. It, it depends. It's you know, the auditor's favorite phrase. It always depends on the situation. Right. Uh, but it may mean that we thought we were done <clears throat> with deferral testing. We did all of our stuff, and that all worked out. We were just waiting on the census tie-out. 
come to find out there's a whole other payroll company. Now we got to pull more people. Not that we have to start over, but we have to do a lot more work than what we were planning on doing. So um, it's important that you respond as quickly as possible. And anything you can do to help figure out the issue. Uh, I know a lot of people feel like, well, the audit, that's the auditor's responsibility. Well, it is. But at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you filing on time and filing a good audit, um, an audit that's been done the way it's supposed to be done, is ultimately your responsibility. I know that doesn't sound fair. Mm -hmm. You know, you've hired these auditors, their accountants, their auditors, that's their job. But the way the DOL looks at it, it's still your responsibility. You have the fiduciary responsibility over the plan. So anything you can do to help us figure out those problems mm -hmm. um, is, is going to be greatly appreciated by your auditor. But we'll also save you a lot of time, help you to file on time. So it's, it's important. I, I know it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. Um, we get a lot of <clears throat> responses back. I don't know why that happened. I don't know. Um, and maybe you really don't know initially, but you have the information. We don't have it. So um, we can give you suggestions of, can you look for this? Can you try this? Maybe if you, if you give us this, we can look and see if that'll fix it. But we don't really know either. We're triaging a situation and trying to figure it out, but we don't know either. So, and we don't have the information to figure it out. You do. So um, you've got to be involved. If you're not involved, you're not going to get an audit report at the end and you're definitely going to file late so mm -hmm. um, anything you can do to help on that um, will will be very helpful yeah a um, couple of last things that I had um, just real quick at the end of the audit um, we always ask our clients to to really review the report I know it's you're not maybe a CPA and you're not a financial person and so maybe that's not your expertise but still you should review you, the, the report you know the plan so and you've got the reports just just like we do of um, that came from your providers. So double check things. We're not asking you obviously go redo the audit or anything, but take a look at it. The footnotes describe how the plan works. So if I'm saying, hey, this plan has auto enroll and it works this way and you're looking at it, you're like, what are they talking about? Auto enroll, we don't have auto enroll. You need to say something because you don't, you don't want that audit report going out saying the plan works one way when it really works a different way. That, that can get you into um, big problems again. Um, with the regulators. So review the report, do the best you can with it. Again, I'm not asking you to redo the audit. We're not expecting you to be experts here. Um, but if there's anything that, that you don't understand, you think may not be right, ask the auditor. We'd rather you do that, even though it might mean we have to go back and revisit some things. Um, we'd rather you do that versus it going out incorrect. Um, so, so take a minute, take a look at it, and um, pass any feedback back to the auditor. Also, ask your auditor, if they don't give you a memo at the end of the audit, they should be, um, that describes the work that was done, um, but also gives you what are now called reportable findings. So if we find things through the audit that impact controls, that impact participant accounts, that impact the financial reporting process, that impact the financial statements themselves, any of those buckets, um, we should be giving you a description of what happened, what we saw in the audit, maybe what we think happened, what was wrong, um, and a suggestion on how to fix it. Doesn't mean you have to take action on it. Doesn't mean you have to do what, what we've recommended. You might find a different way to correct the problem. But definitely you should ask for that if you don't get it. Take a look at it if you have questions on, you know, I don't, ex I don't really understand this. Why, do, why is this wrong? Um, ask the auditor because they should be able to explain that to you. Then you can take the corrective action. That will make your auditor next year go much smoother and will help get your plan um, 
in better stead with uh, any regulatory authorities uh, and also in just general compliance. So it's a good good best practice to do. Um, definitely, definitely something you should should be doing already if you're not. But if you're not, you should be doing it going forward. Karen, anything else you can think of as we uh, look to wrap up here? Um, just don't don't hesitate to ask us questions or follow up with us if you haven't heard with us for, for a while. The, the saying that this squeaky wheel gets the grease, it's true for auditing as well. It, if, if we're not hearing from you, it's easy for us sometimes because we're juggling a lot of different audits at the same time. Uh, it's easy for it to be kind of put to the back burner, especially when we have a lot of people that are clamoring to get things done. So reach out to us, ask us, how's, it go, you know, how's the audit going? Is there anything that you need from me to kind of keep us, keep that in the forefront of our minds? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I think that's the, you know, the, what I would, would leave everyone on is um, keep track of what's going on, ask questions, ask for statuses, follow up, you know, keep on top of it. That will help keep us you know, going on your audit versus working on someone else's, it'll make sure it gets done on time. It'll make sure the issues get resolved. Um, that's kind of my best, um, my best advice to, to, to everyone out there. Uh, if you're, you're worried your audit's not going to get done on time. Um, with that, I want to throw out um, my email address in case you have any questions um, about what we talked about today. Um, if you'd like to consult about um, an audit issue that you have or uh, maybe need an audit in the future, or you have an idea for a future podcast. Um, you know, we're doing these once a month, and we're, we always want to try to uh, tailor these to topics that may be of interest to anyone out there that's listening. My email is the letter K, then M-O-O-R-E, again, K-M-O-O-R-E, at anderscpa.com. That's A-N-D-E-R-S-C-P-A.com. Feel free to drop me a note. Um, let me know what you're thinking of the podcast, any ideas for the future, any questions you might have. Um, otherwise, thanks, Karen. We're going to wrap it up, and um, we'll talk to you again next month on the uh, 401k Audit CPA Success Show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Enjoy this podcast? Visit our website at anderscpa.com slash 401k to get more tips and strategies for achieving 401k audit success. We're here to be a resource with ever-changing rules and regulations.